0: Listen, as creatives, our focus should be on the clients and our craft. And now that I have my virtual assistant, I can devote more of my time to exactly that. The beauty of hiring a VA through StyleSmart is that they come to you already trained and able to seamlessly step into your business. From managing appointments and client communications to handling your social media presence, StyleSmart virtual assistants free you up to concentrate on your clients. And that's a change your clients will notice and appreciate. I mean, can we say elevating your perceived value? So when you're ready to level up in your business and take some weight off your shoulders, head on over to StyleSmartVA.com and book a free discovery call today. You'll also find the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. Style Smart VA, empowering beauty professionals to focus on what they do best. Well, hey there, friend, and welcome back for another episode of the Your Hair Mentor podcast, where I am your host and your hair mentor, Crystal Green, and I'm so happy to be here today. I've got an awesome interview here for you with Kelly Cahen. I always have a hard time saying her last name. I want to say like Caheen or Kahin, but it's Cahan. Uh, better known as Scissors make sense. And y'all, I just got done reading her book, which at the time of this uh, interview recording, I had not read it yet. And literally like the minute we hung up, I got on Amazon, bought the book, got it delivered, gobbled it up. And it's so good. I mean, just listen to the tagline for this book. So the title is Scissors Make Sense and it's business ethics. an empowerment essentials for running a hair salon that thrives. And y'all, I have to tell you, it's exactly that. It covers kind of all the basics that you need to know as like a salon owner and a team leader on how to have like smart money-making decisions and budgeting and managing people. And it's a really great place to start. And I think I got it for like on Amazon. So I highly recommend going and purchasing her book. I will have a link to the book on Amazon. Now I am not affiliating. I am not getting any sort of sponsorship or kickbacks for this. I'm just letting you know, I enjoy it. And I think you should take a look as well. And then also you're supporting an awesome hairstylist who is doing great things in the industry, really. So Do that and then uh, come into this episode and listen to Kelly and all of her little gems that she has now it's really funny Uh, there's a lot of people I really enjoy speaking with in this industry obviously but I felt like with Kelly I might as well have been sitting back and having a cocktail hanging out with her having a chat in fact I think she even mentions that in the podcast I can't remember if it was in the recorded part or afterwards but she was like this is just so fun I feel like I'm just chit chatting with my friend and that's exactly what I want this to feel like I want these conversations to be natural and kind of just like off the cuff so that you really get a feel for the idea that like they're real people and these people that are doing amazing things are not a lot different than you are and you can do amazing things too and so anyway before I can go on this huge tangent um, I'm just gonna go ahead and introduce you to my friend Kelly better known as scissors make sense enjoy friend Sweet. Well, let's just go ahead and jump on in here then. And um, why don't you give us a quick overview of who you are and what you're doing? Yeah. So my name is Kelly Kane. I live in Richmond,
1: Virginia, and I own a salon of 14 years. I have two locations. It's a seven-figure business, um, but I did turn that into a coaching and consulting business. So I work with salon owners who are looking to systemize, uh, hone in their leadership, and strengthen their financials.
0: Ooh, I love that. That's a good elevator pitch right there. <laughs> Bam, you know that takes some work to kind of to kind of get that dialed in. I found the more you know entrepreneurs that I talk to, um, you can tell those of us that have kind of worked on that like one sentence just get it out there. That was great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I think when you've
0: said it a hundred times, you really like dial it in. You know. <laughs> yeah, you start to find the right words that like really resonate with you. Yeah. 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 Okay, so you've got two salons. Are you working behind the chair still?
1: I work about five or six hours a week and it's mostly the people that I would, you know, bring home and bend over a kitchen sink, (laughs) you know, (laughs) they've become friends. It's more like I can't let them go than it is. They can't let me go. Um, But it also is nice to keep my hand in the salon. So I always go in on a Monday. I start the week off. I get everyone up and running Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm at home doing either admin or coaching and Fridays. I typically go back in and train apprentices.
0: Hmm. What a fun business model. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Okay. So, um, at what point can you let me know when did like the coaching thing come up? Because it's like, it's normal these days for us to think about being a coach, but you've been doing it for a while. So like, at what point were you like, I should do this differently?
1: Yeah. When I first opened the salon, it really just was kind of feeling like the next step in my career. And a few years in, I started feeling like it was the first time I never saw what a next step was. So I went to um, New York and I took a class with my mentor, who's Nick And it was at that class that he announced a contest and I decided to come home and enter it. And it was a year long process, nationwide, 500 people. And a year later, I was in New York being declared the winner. And that is where everything really changed. I had companies reach out to me because of it. It was like a 15 minutes of fame. um, And I started teaching color for different color companies. Um, But it was in those classes when I would teach curriculum that at the very end of it, people would start asking me questions about how I ran my business or how I handled certain client situations. And so I found myself naturally coaching on business. And I would always leave those classes feeling, you know, somewhat uninspired, like I never went into a salon where I left feeling inspired. And I thought, wow, there's a lot of people who need this information. And I was lucky enough to learn a lot of it from Nick and his mentors. So my first step was I'm gonna write a book. So I wrote the book. And um, from there, you know, it's pretty generalized, because it's hard to speak on people's specific businesses, when you're trying to talk to a lot of people. So it was pretty generalized. And from there, people would reach out one-on-one and have even deeper questions that were personalized to their business. So I started working with people one-on-one and then had a lot of people. So I turned it into group programs and here I am. So I never really, I love my story. It's never anything that I kind of had a goal that I was trying to achieve. It's almost like the goals have always come to me and I've just accepted the call.
0: And I feel like when we do that, it's like just kind of following what feels natural, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So tell me about the book a little bit. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So it's a book. It's really, you know, when I wrote it, I wanted it to be entertaining at the same time as educational. So it's just filled with my stories of what the early days looked like and how I overcame. And then it includes really kind of my 12 step process on how I run a business. And so I say, it's really just like a business in a box with my coaching where it's, you know, I go over the importance of systems. I go over how to have anxiety, free leadership, Um, and then of course the financial piece of it, which is the golden nugget in my program. I didn't realize that I was going to end up being more of a money coach, but it seems like that's, what's really evolved because that's where everybody's major concerns are is money coming in, but not knowing where it's going out.
0: Mm, Yeah. I mean, that's like a life lesson for everyone, not just hairstylists, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's the name of the book? So it's scissors makes sense. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to have to write that down and, um, read it myself. Uh, oh, yeah. truth be told, I'm like, I didn't even know that you had a book before we started talking today. So I'm going to look into it. Um, do you know, do you have a Kindle version or is it just paperback or what's that look like?
1: All of the above. So you can buy every version and it's pretty much anywhere you can get a book. It's on Amazon. You can go to target Barnes and Noble. Um, it was published. So it's listed on any site that you can find a book.
0: Awesome. Do you have an audio book available?
1: Not yet. My publisher is like, you need to do that. And I definitely do need to, but it's a world I've never even dabbled in. So I need to just, you know, it's one of those things on the to do list that keeps sitting there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I know it's funny. I never was really into audiobooks prior. Like, I'm a, I'm a paper book person mm-hmm. usually because I like to read sitting in bed with like an actual book. But all of a sudden, I don't know if it's because I got so comfortable with podcast stuff that audiobooks are really great too. And so I find myself I'm like at a crossroads of where I want to read a book. And I'm like, wait, do I buy the actual book or do I buy the audio book? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I think I like the audio if it's written by the author. I like the audio book.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like I like paper just because I like to mark it up. So I think it depends on what I'm reading, but if I'm reading something that's kind of self-help, self-development or business, I tend to like, you know, making my own notes in there and kind of flagging pages and things like that. But I do love audio too. I love podcasts. I didn't even realize until I got into them how much I love doing, listening to podcasts. Um, but what typically happens to me is I listen, and then my brain starts going off with a million directions of ideas, and then I forget what I was even listening to. So sometimes I have to listen to them two or three times to make sure I get the full value. Oh
0: my God. I literally do the exact same thing. I'm like pausing all the time, unless I'm listening when I'm in the shower, I'll do that a lot of the time where I like bring my phone in and I'll listen to the shower. Obviously I can't write anything down in there, but if I'm not, and I'm somewhere else, I'll pause and like write down my thoughts. Cause I do the same thing. I'm like, oh, I can turn that into this idea or this, and I have to Go back and listen again (laughs)
1: yeah the notepad on my phone really looks like a beautiful mind if anyone was ever to go in there they would be like wow
0: (laughs) same same i actually would love to find an app that could do like i have a a paper in front of me right now that's like my idea paper that i just like scribble things down as they come to my mind of all different things right um i want that on my phone that could just be like a like kind of creative like whiteboard situation yeah. <laughs> Maybe it exists. If anyone's listening and that exists, please tell me.
1: <laughs> there is a really incredible device called a Remarkable. I don't know if you're familiar with no. that. It's it's basically like a digital notebook. So, and it feels like writing on paper. It is one of my most favorite what? things to keep Remarkable. You'll have to write that down. Yeah, I'm and literally can... <laughs> writing it down on my paper. <laughs> if they're listening, I want an affiliate link.
0: <laughs> I know, right. No, I've never heard of this. So it's like, um, that's all it is, is like a note-taking little pad thing. Yes, and it's amazing, mm. and you can even upload things into PDFs, and like, yeah,
1: it's it's incredible. You will love it.
0: Oh, thank you for that. That's <laughs> a great little tip. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, so for anyone that's listening that doesn't know, your book was called Scissors Make Sense, and you are better known everywhere as Scissors Make Sense, right? Your social media and then like your coaching platform, everything is that name, right? That's correct. Uh, I have seen your name in so many circles lately. Really? Yes. Um, I just, I feel like there were all these people that I've talked to just, you know, individually that somehow have mentioned you and then I've seen your name pop up in like cohorts that you've been a part of and like events that you've done. Um, can you tell me out of all those fun things that you've done, has there been something recently that was like truly remarkable and like really fun to do?
1: Yeah, I think the most impactful one is that Nick actually invited me to come and be a part of the, uh, Aerojo Expo. And I think that that one was just a full circle moment for me to be a brand new salon owner standing on stage and, you know, winning this award and with someone that I like kind of idolized, you know, as a young stylist, I would watch the show to learn consultation skills and then, you know, to put this person on a pedestal and then to have him invite me to speak on business, um, um, at the expo. It was just such a full circle moment and something that I'll never forget. It was just so impactful.
0: That's so awesome. I I honestly feel the same way even just having him as a guest on the podcast. I was like totally starstruck. I'm like I'm having yeah. a fangirl moment right now because yeah, I literally watched that show just to watch Nick work.
1: Yeah. You yeah. know. And I mean every word that comes out of his mouth is intentional and it's inspirational and yet for someone to have that level of success and always remain humble is someone that I will just really look, look up to forever. And it's someone that I want to model myself after and always remember, like, we're all just human, you know, Mm -hmm. and Nick, Nick really is so good at just kind of being human Mm -hmm. and really has such a heart for hairdressers and other people's success. And that's something that I definitely want to model my own coaching after.
0: I love it. I love how many people look up to him too, and the fact that he is so humble. And also, his social media is just kind of like basic, really. And you know, (laughs) it's like nothing incredible. I feel like young people would look at him and maybe not even give it a second thought based on just his social media. But any of us, like, I don't know, old timers that have been around for a while <laughs> before social media know that like, no, this person has really done all the things and he's yeah. got fingers in so many different aspects of the industry too. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he's probably one of the hardest working individuals because even though he works hard, he plays hard too. And I don't know how he does it where he just goes and he goes and he goes and he goes hard. And then he's right back the next morning, doing it again. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible to watch.
0: Well, I bet you kind of feel the same way about your business too. Like, I think when you find something that really lights you up, it's easy to just like really dive in because you feel fulfilled.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, most of the time it doesn't even feel like work. There's times, you know, my significant other will come home. He's like, you're still working. You're still building that thing. You're still doing this. And I'm like, oh, I guess I am, you know, but it's just... I find so much joy and fulfillment. I know when I'm on coaching calls, I will actually get off the phone sometimes with the brightest, pinkest, red cheeks. Like I've been on a first date. You know, <laughs> like I'm blushing. And it's just that feeling of like pouring into someone else. It doesn't it doesn't feel like work.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of hairstylists can probably relate to that feeling with clients. You know, mm-hmm. like when you're fun and fresh, and you know, interested in the the industry, and it's new and exciting, and you meet new clients, and it's like an adventure every time you get to know them, and you know you're there to help them, and uh, you just get that fire in your belly about it. Yeah, I know, and it's nice. I mean, not every client gives you that feeling,
1: but I do think that I love the direction that the hair industry is going because it's allowing us the permission to work with those clients that light us up I think back in the day you know when you and I were coming up it was like you took what you got and you didn't complain or you know you just got what you got and now it's like you get to really tailor what it is that you do and you know pick the niche that you want to be in pick that client and then it's just a much more fulfilling career when you get to do that and I love that the industry is moving in that direction
0: Yeah. So I'm curious with your coaching business, do you find that you get more people that have been in the industry for a couple of years that are kind of searching for help? Or do you uh, help maybe more like brand new, fresh baby stylists?
1: Yeah, I actually work mostly with salon owners. So a lot of times it's an owner who is looking to open a salon or one that has already opened and finding it's not as easy as it looks and they're struggling. So obviously, the sooner they can get into a program, the better the results going to be because they don't have to undo a lot of things that they've already done. Um, But I'm typically working with small business um, salon owners who have been in it for I would say anywhere between like two and five years.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then they're looking to just grow and expand.
1: Mm -hmm. Or undo a lot of things. Like a lot of times they just open. They don't open with a plan. And I was um, just talking about this earlier today where it's like, I think a lot of times we put so much time and money and energy and effort into the actual decor of it so the the logo and the decor and this because we want it to look pretty and i do agree that's the first impression when someone walks in but they completely neglect the side of branding where it's building the perception that you want the client to have when they leave what is it that they're going to say about you if they're referring you to a friend and a lot of times they haven't done that work and figuring out like these are my core brand values and realizing then that every decision should come back to that and reflect that Um, And they don't really, they don't, they don't take the time to do that. So there's no policies in place. There's no non-negotiables. There's not a system for after you hire people, how are you going to lead them and manage them, you know, and then of course the whole financial piece. And so Those are the areas that I really like to basically help work with them. I always say I'm like that person that comes into your pantry and pulls out all the expired goods, you know, and then puts in beautiful (laughs) baskets with labels and fresh new goodies in it. And that way it's systemized. And that's really what my role is when I come into a salon.
0: I love that analogy. And man, those are my favorite kind of shows to watch too, is (laughs) like, yeah, where you just like swipe out everything and make it pretty. I love it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times I find that people's systems only exist in their heads, right? Mm. It's like, how are your team to ever know? Um, what that you expect if they don't have a way to go back like your playbook, you know, so it's having a binder with all of the the rules of the game inside of it, so that they're able to empower themselves, whether you're there or not. And you can create that brand consistency. So I think that's the biggest piece, too, is that they think they have systems, and they think they have policies, but they only exist in their head. And that gives a lot of room for discrepancies, too. It's like, it's, it's way too easy to have it be different, depending on which day you say it.
0: Yeah. And I think it's so easy to skim over that stuff in this industry where we're just creative and fun. And like, it's very, um, what's the word? We're like instant gratification. You know what I mean? It's like, you come in, you do your job and it's done. And then that's end of story, but that's not the case for it to run smoothly and grow and prosper.
1: Yeah. It's way, it's way bigger than just a beautiful space, which I do think is very important. I don't want to take from that. It does set the tone, but Um, honestly, I would say if someone were asking me like day one, how to start the salon, I would say, go to Ikea, make it as cute as you can. And really put your efforts into the actual business behind it. And then from there, you can, you know, make money and improve one thing a month. I always say, I love the one item a month challenge where every month I like to improve something in my business. And I've gone from being Ikea to almost all restoration hardware, but it wasn't overnight. It's been 14 years. And so I'm like, just get started, put all this work here, just get started. And then you can improve everything as the business grows and improves, but you don't have to put all that time, money, and energy into that in the very beginning.
0: Mhm. What are some examples of some like small incremental changes that you've helped people make?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, well, finances are the biggest ones for sure. So the first is even just understanding why they should charge what they charge. A lot of times I find that Um, you know, they're taking the information from the place that they worked before and that just doesn't work. So the first is really diving in and saying, this is your business. This is what your business needs are. Now that we know what you need for your business, let's make sure the pricing supports that. And then of course budgeting, but those are some of the big ones. And then the others are, you know, I always say uh, you're either like a pleasing Patty or a bitching buddy with your leadership. So, you know, we really want to take both of those out of it because they're either being walked all over by their team or they're, hated by their team. And so it's really figuring out how can we put systems, policies, and non-negotiables in place from the very beginning, um, which is why the sooner they start with you, the better. And then create that so that you've got a monthly conversation with your team that is meant for that purpose. And it takes the anxiety out because nobody wants to work for an owner where you don't know who you're going to get each day. You know, every day you come in and it's a different person. And having that system in place allows you to come in and be even and always have a plan in place to sit down with your team and have those conversations.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you find that you get more salon owners that are like – running commission salons or booth rentals or employees?
1: Yeah, I get a fair amount of both. Um, I get a lot of requests from people who are either um, independent or rentals, and I can help them with the exception of the fact that only in that one small portion, I teach a commission structure. Um, So, But I market myself to commission salon owners.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've only worked in salons where there was an owner that, um, so we were booth rental or independent contractors in there. And there was still a need for leadership, you Mm -hmm. know, especially if there's retail in there too. And it was all just like nimbly bimbly all the time. And finally I had one of my salon owners just candidly tell me, she's like, this salon does not make money. Like mm-hmm. she's like, I make money behind the chair, and you know, you guys pay rent that covers the bills, and that's it. And yeah. other than that, we break even. And I was like, oh gosh, I'm like, is that common? She's like, yeah, I, in, in her circle, super common.
1: Yeah. I find that a lot too. I mean, I can definitely show examples of how like in a commission situation versus a rental that the actual owner might make more money. Um, And I'm seeing a lot of rental salons now going hybrid where they're noticing that there is these advantages to having commission Um, outside of the financial too. It's that some stylists want to be supported as a commission stylist. I call it, I want to like recoin the phrase commission and to have it be like a done for you service. So I think Mm. we think of it as commission, but really it's a done for you. So if you're looking at the split of income, you're either as an independent going to take the other half and divvy it up yourself and pay for all of these different people. You're gonna pay for your rent, your bills, or you can just give it to one person and have them do it be a done for you service. Either way, you're really paying for it. Um, but I'm finding that a lot of rental salons um, are going into that hybrid model because they're realizing A, it gives them more of an offering for different types of employment. And B, there is a little bit higher of a profit margin um, when you're working on a commission structure.
0: Absolutely. Um, so when I interviewed Nick, we were talking about salons in New York City. And, you know, he was, just stating that the salons are kind of dying, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and maybe he's mentioning, it was like the booth rental salons of the past. I'm not sure exactly what he meant, but he's opening this, or he did open actually now, the studio, I don't know Mm -hmm. if you had a chance to see it when you were out there or not, but it was where like independent stylists could come in and like rent studio space to do all the things they wanna do, hair, photo shoots, all that stuff, but on like a day-to-day basis. Right. So it's like a day fee. Um, And I'm really curious if you agree with him that are like are salons in general in a decline or have we seen them like maybe swinging back to more of a commission standpoint? I'm kind of curious just where your thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah, he and I have spoken about that too. And, you know, I think New York is just its own breed, right? So he's yeah. always seeing things from a different place than, than the rest of us are. But I think there's room for all of it. I think that it's definitely shifting and pivoting. And I think that commission salons have really had to pivot to operating more with the freedoms of the independent salons. But I mean, just as I was saying, it's a done for you service, I think that there are people out there that don't want to be business owners. And I think we're starting to see that now, where there was such a Big push into independent and rental and suites. And, you know, I've hired quite a few who have said, oh, not for me. And they're coming back because some people want the done for you service. It's just important that we're doing it differently, that we're not doing the same kind of toxic culture and guidelines that we used to, that as owners, we're understanding that. You know, we once wanted freedom, which is why we've walked the path of entrepreneurship. So we have to make sure that we're looking at it as when I was an employee, what did I want? And making sure that we're not always just making it about what's best for business, but we're making it about what's best for people. It's a people industry. Um, And I think as long as we're remembering that, then we will always have room and a place for people who want to come in, do hair and go home. The really, really creative types don't want to run businesses.
0: Right. They're usually the ones that kind of get burnt out and sick of it after a while and think, maybe this isn't for me.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of them leave the industry because they go through that path of commission rental. They don't like either. And so then, like you said, they're, they're either switching careers or they're just staying home, um, Mm -hmm. to raise families. But a lot of people have left the industry for that reason. Whereas, you know, I have a salon, I've got, um, I just lost two. They moved away. So I have 11 stylists now and, um, some of them have been with me for 10 years and they're happy. One of them even left to go open a salon, tried it for a few months and was like, man, that's harder than I realized. I don't like it. And he came back to work for me. Um, so I think that, you know, there are people out there who really just want to come in, be taken care of and supported, do hair, not have to think about anything else and go back home.
0: Yeah. And I almost wonder if there needs to be like a little bit of a, um, a mindset piece in there for those hairstylists that that would appeal to, because it has been drilled in us I mean, from forever that like you're successful once you're on your own, once Mm. you're independent, that's when you make your real money. Once you own a salon, that's when you really have made it. Whereas maybe they'd be completely fine and happy being a commission stylist somewhere if they were in an environment that supported them and gave. Them all the freedoms that they wanted and so it's like we need to retrain the the brain of the baby stylist to say it's okay if your pinnacle is a commissioned stylist in a great salon
1: yeah i have stylists on my team who make way more money than some of the Salon owners in my program. You know, so I think that's just a huge misconception. It's not necessarily about making more money. And I think if that's kind of the goal going into it, like, can you make money owning a business? Absolutely. Are you going to work harder? Maybe, but you're going to work in a different capacity. And so when I have people that come to me and say, I'm thinking about opening up a salon, I'll say, well, let's talk about where your passions lie. You know, do you enjoy mentorship? Do you enjoy leadership? Do you enjoy spreadsheets and numbers and budgets and organization and that, you know, cause that's like, we were talking about the pantry and systems. That's what that is, right? What do you enjoy more? Or do you really just enjoy the creative side? And what if, if you're looking for something else, what if we diversify your revenue and we create a program for you? Somebody who's really strong and bridal, maybe we create a bridal program for you that you can be an educator. I mean, the online space is huge right now in creating programs and everybody has something that somebody would want to learn from them. So it doesn't always mean that it's just next epsilon ownership. There's so many different avenues now that you can do that keep you in that creative, visionary genius and not in the, you know, type A business side of things. So that's the first and foremost is really figuring out where are people's passions um, and, and going from there. I personally love running the business. I got to the point where when I figured business out, I didn't want to do hair anymore. I was like, I don't want to do hair anymore. It's not mm-hmm. fun to me. It's not inspiring. I've found more inspiration in learning all of the ins and out of running a successful business. That's a great person to run a business, but not everybody has that passion.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe that mindset in itself, um, will save the salon industry, you know, like if we, if we create like a loving environment for stylists to come and thrive in, then it would be a natural move to have people go into a commission salon that feels like home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just so important. It's just, I, I didn't coin this phrase, but the commission with freedom. Um, and I think as long as people are able to do that and focus on that, um, I don't think that it would go anywhere. And especially these new stylists, I think that's the biggest one that are coming right out of school. And a lot of people are telling them to open suites and to booth rent. And honestly, I don't know. I know there, there are some that are doing it, but looking back at my career path, I couldn't have done it right when I got out of school and rent is not cheap. <laughs> some of these suites are as much as one of my studios on its own. And I have seven people working out of it.
0: Mm -hmm. I know I've seen a bit of a pattern with like very young stylists, at least in our area here that are graduating, going into salon suites, and then in two years, not wanting to keep working because they have, they're charging a lot of money for their services, but they're very insecure, very scared, lonely. They don't have that like break room, um, you know, ping pong back and forth, have a conversation about things. And so they're not feeling great about their services. They're having, you know, clients come back and ask questions they don't know how to handle handle it and they want to leave.
1: Yeah. And And I just, yeah. And I think it's heartbreaking because it really is such a beautiful industry. You know, Mm -hmm. when you really, when you really have someone who supports you and mentors you and gets you on the right path and, you know, invest in your education, like this industry is so beautiful. So it's sad that people have that dream and then that's their first year and they give up on it because there's so much more out there for them.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, well, I would love to hear, I know you had um, something that you did recently that was for, was it like a group coaching program or what was it that you just launched? Yep. So I just launched my Salon Entrepreneur Mastermind and that is my
1: 12-step blueprint that I was talking about in the book. So we go through 12 weeks of me teaching each section um, and we end on a Q&A. So it's a really big deep dive. Like I said, I call it like a business in a box. I give you everything start to finish on what I use daily to run my own business um, and to scale it to the seven figure mark.
0: That's so cool. Is this the first time that you've done this or do you do it like annually? So funny
1: enough, this is the very first time I ever, like the very first way I ever taught it. So when I first did my group program, it was 12 weeks live. Then I invested in business coaches who had said, this needs to be a year long program and it needs to have a high, you know, high, um, investment and all of these things. And I, you know, I'm new to the online space. I'm like, okay. And I did it and I was successful with it, but it taught me a lot of lessons. Number one is I found that people weren't always watching the videos. So they would show up to the Q and A's and weren't getting the value and integrity is really important to me. And even if they weren't showing up, I never want anyone leaving my program feeling like they didn't get what I promised. Um, So that was number one. Then usually at about six or seven months of working together and implementation, I would find that um, we would start getting in our check in calls and there were no questions because they were like, I'm good. Like we had got them on a straight and narrow path. And so then I was like, okay, it's too long. Um, The investment was high and I'm working with struggling business owners. So really, I've brought it back to where I started, which is another 12 weeks. So this is my first time going back to teaching it live 12 weeks. Um, It's a shorter commitment. So no one's committed to a year. It's about a third of the price. Um, and it's guaranteed that if they show up, they're going to get the full value out of it. And so for me, I had to take it back to, it's very easy sometimes to get wrapped up. I think this with salon business and online business of the potential, it's Mm -hmm. very easy to get big eyes of potential. And sometimes you have to check back in with yourself of like, why did I begin this in the, in the in the first place. And really I did this as a passion project to help people. And so I wanted to bring it back in a capacity that was accessible, easy to do and affordable so that people could actually have change in their business. So I'm really excited to bring it back. I mean, I haven't taught it like this in three years. So to, to do this again, feels really good.
0: Nice. That's awesome. And I'm sure people are going to listen to this and be like, oh my gosh, I should have signed up or where do I do this? So, um, I know you mentioned you have some sort of a wait list for this program Mm -hmm. now, right?
1: Yes, So there'll be a wait list. We, um, I've got it structured. I'm going to do it three times a year. Um, mostly just so that I can not try to do anything around the holidays. I don't think anyone's going to want to do that. So I will definitely open this back up again in the spring, um, for its second round.
0: Awesome. And how many people roughly do you allow to come into that program?
1: I do like to keep it relatively small. Um, So I try to aim for about 10. I think if it was really Um, In demand for that particular season, I would take on a few more. Um, So I like to keep the group small, because I want to make sure that everybody inside of the program has the ability to have time to ask their questions, because we do it like a hot seat coaching. So at the end of the lesson, everyone gets to, you know, come on and actually have some one on one coaching time.
0: And then are your students actually working with each other as well? They are. So we have a Slack group.
1: Um, so they get that 24 seven kind of ongoing support. Um, I think that's the piece that makes it more of the mastermind that we're all learning from each other. So, um, we do accountability inside the the group, um, as well as they can ask questions at any point. Sometimes it's a question that's more directed at me. Um, but other times it's like polling the group. And I find that's like the biggest well, not the biggest benefit, but one of the biggest benefits of being in the program is that long after it's done, you walk away with those relationships because you're going to meet people and you're going to be able to reach out to them and say, hey, I've got this situation and can we talk this out? Um, so I, I have found that in my own programs that I've participated in, and they're lifelong friendships.
0: Exactly. That's kind of what I was leading up to with this is like the um, the piece of that that you that you don't really see up front is that you get people that understand what your struggles are, understand the language you're speaking. And then if you have struggles later, yeah, you can shoot them a, a question about something and there's not this like awkward. Well, first let me explain to you what it is that I'm struggling over. They just know. Yep.
1: Yeah. I love that. I mean, I have friends that I reach out to all the time now and sometimes it's even just support like, Hey, I'm having a crappy day. I just need some support. Other times you really do have a question. And, um, I think it's invaluable. My program is fortunate in the sense that it is one that has a return on investment. So when they, when they sign up for the program, my guarantee is that they're going to make at least 10% profit and 10% owner's pay. Um, and not all programs offer a return, um, financially, but this one does, but yeah, I agree with you that sometimes it's the relationships that are invaluable.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Is there a really common hurdle that most of your students that are coming to you, whether it be the 12-week program or the year-long program, um, I'm sure there's kind of like a common, like, real problem that they all need to overcome first?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... You know, I could take that in a million different ways. My brain just hit me with like five different answers. It's like but, when
0: you're listening to that podcast, you need to push pause right now and write everything down. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, I think if we looked at it individually, like, okay, well, sometimes it's their leadership. Sometimes their financial. Sometimes it's this. But honestly, I think the biggest hurdle that they have to overcome is their own fear. It's their own limiting belief because I can give them all of the logistics and technicalities of what to do. And like, well, you need to raise your price or you need to do this or you need to do this. And it's the fear of... Like their team, a lot of times. And I have to remind them that you didn't go into business to be held hostage to your business. You went into this for freedom, and yet you are scared to make any decision out of fear of what if my team doesn't like this? What if they don't agree? What if this, what Mm. if this, and it's the fear of knowing that sometimes change is uncomfortable and they may find like, I, Nick taught me this, which is manage the past and grow the future. So I don't ever go coaching. Whereas like, I want you to change everything with an uproar, you know, it's like, let's identify, let's make small changes. Sometimes we have to manage the past while we grow the future, you know? So it's like, we can't, undo something we've already done, but we can hire on new terms. And so, um, it's a lot to navigate, but I think the biggest piece is they have a lot of fear. And I think that's, you know, we, it was, it was funny, but I think that's where the pleasing Patty comes into. It's like, they become pleasers and they realize like their team and their business is running them because they're so fearful of the consequences of them stepping into their true leadership role.
0: Right. And what was the other character? Was it bitchy Betty? Bitchy Betty. <laughs> bitchy Betty. Or or you could say the bitchy Betty is like putting up a defense because yeah. they're like guarding themselves against the fear too, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times they end up creating their own problems and they don't even realize that. I know when I was first opening my first few years, I was the pleasing Patty. And I actually had a very, very good employee pull me aside and look me in my face and say that she didn't respect me as a manager. And I- Yes. And she had, you know, I had asked her because I could tell there was tension between us and her reasoning was that she was such a good employee and that the other people were getting away with so much that it was making her wonder why she worked so hard when she could just get away with things. So it was actually, you know, that was one of the moments I was like, wow. I actually do have to step up and learn how to lead this team, but people were walking all over me and I allowed it because I didn't have the confidence or the courage to speak up for myself. And so once I really, I mean, I, I owe so much of it to the training I got with Nick, but once I really started implementing leadership, um, and learning how to do it the right way, I have so much respect for my team and they have so much respect for me that honestly, I never have to implement. hmm And it's all in setting it up from the very beginning. It's from the very first interview. I do my interview like an onboarding. So, and then I, you know, the ones that feel like, whoa, this lady's too much. I know that's not my person. And the ones who say, wow, I've never seen anything quite like this. So organized, structured, and focused on my growth. Those are the ones that I know are my people.
0: Yeah. You know, everything that you're saying, it resonates so much with, The stuff I like to talk about um, with stylists that I've helped, I like to coach them to help support their clients more. Mm -hmm. And it's all the same stuff. It's like you have to understand who you're serving and how to serve them and do it in a way that honors both you and them, right? Yeah oh, it's just, it's it's like so simple that it's not simple, you know? Right,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's just so many moving parts and that's the thing. Like when you're in the thick of it, it's, you've got so much going on that you don't have the ability to sit in your visionary role. So it's like when it's all systemized and you don't have to think about it all day because you've already done the work, then you're able to just flow. And that's the idea, right? Is to be in that flow state and not in a constant chaos state.
0: Mm-hmm. So paint me a picture of... um like at the end of your client journey for your, your stylist, your salon owners that take your program, uh, when they've reached the like proverbial finish line, mm-hmm. what does that look like for them? Who have they transformed into?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's so beautiful to watch the confidence. It's just, they've stepped into their full leadership role. They feel confident. Um, they feel like they can handle it. And my goal is always to graduate them on. So it's not one of these programs where I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna sell you the next level. It's like, no, I want you to graduate. I want you to do this. Um, And then they do have the option to kind of check in. I have some little smaller like check-in options. Um, But yeah, they just step up. They're confident. They feel in control of their money. They've got freedom in their schedules. They learn how to work less hours behind the chair, making more money. Um, And it's just really awesome to, to get the messages you know, behind scenes where they're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to share this with you. I just paid myself as an owner for the first time. And it's just, it's such a beautiful feeling to watch them do that and to see the joy. So they just find confidence, they find joy, they find freedom. Um, Yeah, it's really, really beautiful to see.
0: That's awesome. And then, um, so in that moment, have they created a system that they could then step outside of and it would still run for them? Do you know what I'm asking? Yeah. That's
1: the goal. That's absolutely the goal. I think there's, you know, that there's a lot of factors that go into that. So I think first and foremost is like the size of your team and the revenue. So, I mean, it takes, it takes a decent amount of revenue to be able to do that. So I always say, you know, if you've got a team of, you know, two or three people, it doesn't take quite as long to do things like inventory and payroll. Whereas when you've got 20 people, it's going to take you, you know, 10 times more than if you had two and the revenue was higher. So I look at it as percentages. I mean, is it impossible for someone with a small team to step away? No, not, not impossible, but I kind of say, you're going to be more of like a, you know, 80% behind the chair, 20% on your business. Then you might grow and go into 50, 50, 60, 40. And then you may be like me where you're more 10%, um, you know, behind the chair and 90% business. Um, But I think, you know, it just really depends on the size of the team and the revenue when they get to to step away. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and just like you were saying before we started recording, is your ten percent is like your ride or die people that you think you're there really for them more than they are for you. You know. Yeah.
1: And I think it's hard at that point when you are getting there, is like realizing that it's a numbers game, right? So the time has value. So if you've got 40 hours, that's a lot more people that you're trying to squeeze in. So your price might not be as high. But if you now become an owner that's saying, I'm only going to do five hours a week you may be charging more than you ever thought you could, right? Or maybe even more than you would pay yourself, but it's only because the time value. And it's like, I use this analogy a lot of like, let's imagine I have a fair and I've got 500 people coming to the fair and I have a vendor with a thousand plastic rings. They're probably going to be about 50 cent. But if I have five beautiful rare sapphire rings, they're probably going to be like 5,000 because out of 500 people, only five can buy them. Whereas out of you know 500 people, 1,000 rings, it's the same. That's the way people really need to look at our time. So you can work five hours a week, but you have to adjust the pricing to make sure that you're going to make the same in five hours as you would make in your 40 hours.
0: Hmm. That's such a, um, a huge concept to wrap your head around as a service provider that stands behind the chair and gets paid for time. Yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes.
1: And I say that all the time. Like when you own your business, you know, you have two roles, you're a stylist and an owner and your income needs to provide for both. So even though your income producing hours, maybe five, 10 hours, 20 hours a week, they should cover your 40 hour work week. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard for people to grasp. And, you know, and then working with me, my goal would also be that you're getting a dividend on the profit. So, you know, if you've got revenue, you're also getting 10% of whatever the salon generated um, Mm -hmm. on top of that as pay for being the owner of your company. Yeah.
0: Wow. I feel like this this concept and this idea is so huge and so foreign for mm-hmm. our industry, right? I mean, it's a shame that we don't learn anything about this early on. I understand why, um, kind of, but yeah. um, man, I'm, I'm glad that people are doing it now,
1: though. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see basic business kind of understanding in schools, but at the same time, I also love that they don't, so they can come to me. Yeah, absolutely. uh, You know, it's beautiful. And I'm just so glad that there's people out there who really just get lit up by it and are putting information like this out there for people.
0: Mm -hmm. So do you have anything fun um, coming up in the next, I'd say like, Between now and the end of the year, like events that you're helping put together, or I feel like there's something in there.
1: Yeah, I've got a couple of really fun things coming up. So, um, in September, I'm heading to um, San Diego, the salon, my salon's actually been given an award by Vigaro Iconic. So, that's really exciting. Um, And then I'm presenting in Orem, Utah with the Platinum Giraffe. She's doing her balanced. Stylist Society retreat. And to say that I am excited and honored to be included in this is an understatement. Like, I don't even know how I am going to be on a stage with these people. Um, Tickets for that are still available. So I would definitely check that out. It's incredible. Um, And then lastly, I'm going on a marketing and branding retreat to Italy with Jodi Brown. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she my content strategist, I'm obsessed with her. Um, and so I'm going on her marketing and branding retreat at the end of October. And so it's going to be a fun fall. I'm really excited.
0: God, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Wow. She's got a,
1: she's got another one that's happening in Spain next year and I'm going to see, I'm, I would love to go. So
0: how many people are going on the <laughs> retreat with
1: you? You know, I'm not exactly sure the numbers. I know she's also keeping that small because we're doing like an entire branding package and photo sessions and everything. Um, I want to say she takes six.
0: Okay. I could be wrong on that. That's like super small. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And do you know Do you know how many people are going to the one in um, Orem, Utah with the platinum draft?
1: I know that she was looking to be at the hundred mark and I know she was very close to that goal. So somewhere yeah. in the hundred mark is what she was aiming for.
0: And it's like it's three days. Is that right? It is. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I would love to be able to go to that. My gosh, yeah. I would love to meet you. I know. I feel like I looked at the dates and I was like, oh, I might have something going on there. I have to look again, but um, it sounds yeah. super rad.
1: Oh my gosh. I think it's 22 presenters. And like I said, I mean, Rebecca Taylor is going to be there, which is just such a huge name. I mean, Sarai, of course, is like everybody loves Sarai. Um, My really good friend, Misty Jane is going to be there talking about money behind the chair. Um, I mean, it's the lineup is just incredible.
0: Mm hmm. Isn't it fun how this industry has shifted to really embrace, uh, I mean, every industry has embraced the online education space now, but um, I know, like, we chatted, we're at similar ages, and um, I went into beauty school right after high school, so I've done this my entire adult career. I don't know, is that the same with you? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So when I started this career, the, the pinnacle and the goal was to be a platform artist, right? Like you went to the hair shows and you saw the platform artists and you're like, that's the top, right? Mm -hmm. That's where I want to be. And I think it's shifted and now the platform is social media, right? Mm -hmm. Not just a stage, but, um, I keep seeing all these, these names kind of growing and growing and, um, more people talking about them and looking up to them. And I think it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I think it's amazing. I always look at some of these people. I'm like, when did you start? Because you are just like so advanced. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've got one of my friends that's local to me, the blonde biologist. I mean, she is just incredible what she's done on her Instagram. Um, And so, yeah, it's really neat because it gives it opens up the world of opportunity and possibility to so many more people, because I think a lot of times, you know, when you and I were coming up with platforms, it was like almost area specific. You either had to be in New York or you had to be in L. And now, I mean, you'll find people with huge followings from these very small towns. And I love that. I love that anybody can do it, you know, if you just show up and be consistent and, do something original. It's just really cool to
0: watch Mm -hmm. or even original or not. Like it's just your flavor of something. I feel like that was a lesson for me to learn coming into this space is like, I could be saying the exact same things as someone else, but I'm going to say them a little differently. Therefore, some people will follow them and some people will follow me. And that's great.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's like dating, right? Because I could be teaching the same thing, but it's a personality thing. And if you like this type of approach versus this type of approach, you know, it's going to decide who you pick. So I think there's room for all of us in it.
0: Absolutely. I think it's it's inspiring for young people to come into the industry, I think, to be able to aspire to do something kind of different and know that there's room for them. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. I used to think I would have to like learn to, what was that guy's name? He used to wear a badger on the front of him. Um, it's not Michael O'Rourke but it's like something something similar I want to say it was like big sexy hair concepts anyway okay he yeah. would wear this like crazy hat and he would like have like a badger skin hanging over his crotch in the front and I was I was watching him thinking god I'm gonna have to get really weird to be on stage someday I guess you I, know?
1: <laughs> I'm wondering if this is Robert Cromion for oh yeah the, yes what, I think, I think yeah, that's him from Paul yeah. Mitchell yeah okay yeah <laughs> I don't yeah, know why and- and you see that and you're instantly like, I'm not cool enough, you know? It's exactly. Like, yeah. And now you get to just show up as you are. And I love that, you know? Yes.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm curious if you have goals for yourself with your business and like where you see yourself going.
1: Yeah. You know, I think for me, having do it done this for so long is like, I'm really looking to transition the coaching into being more of a full-time role for me. Um, I love the idea at this point of not having the confinement of brick and mortar. Um, and that's not to say that I have any plans anytime soon to move away from the salon, but this is just big picture goals. As I get older, I definitely want to be a snowbird. I love the idea of being able to take my laptop to Mexico and work for the winter. (laughs) Um, so that's really my goals. I used to want to put this number on it. You know, it was like, well, what does that look like? Does that have to be a million? And I was like, why am I putting a number pressure on it? It's not about the number for me. It's more about what it provides me. Um, so whatever that number looks like to provide, that is what I'm really achieving for. So, um, the coaching business did really well this year, and, um, I'm just going to continue to scale that, to try to replace what income I make at the salon, not to, um, like I said, not to get away from the salon, but to just have more freedom to not rely on it as much.
0: Right. So you see yourself leaning into more of being able to be location free and work digitally.
1: Yeah. We recently bought a house in Mexico. And so I'm like, one of these days I'm going to be able to go from like January to March and just (laughs) sit in warm weather while everyone's here
0: freezing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wait, where do you live again? I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Not, Mm -hmm. not a fan of the cold weather, huh? No, not a huge fan. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I didn't like it until I got into skiing Mm -hmm. and then it's like, bring it on because I love skiing and my kids love skiing too, but without skiing, it's just annoying.
1: Yeah, I don't want to be cold and wet at the same time.
0: (laughs) Oh, the wet, forget it. Yeah, Yeah. I feel very fortunate in Nevada. We get a lot of snow, but not a lot of rain. And it'll like come in, snow a bunch, and then be sunny in the afternoon. And so I never have to deal with like that wet stuff everywhere.
1: That's what we get. We get the wet slush. Yeah, and then it's gross. It like mixes with all the oil on the road, and it's just ugly, and it's not white and cute anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and like nothing in your house feels clean. Everything is kind of just like bleh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then it freezes, so it turns to like sheets of ice. Oh my gosh!
0: (laughs) Oh, I lived in Austin, Texas, for a minute. Um, It's been a while now. We were there for like almost five years, but the ice storms that would come through there—oh my gosh! I no one's prepared for them too. So yeah, it rains and then everything freezes overnight, and then you've got like a half inch of ice on everything. It's awful. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no not not my fan not my favorite um awesome well uh i'm really excited with what you've got going on and um i'm just happy that you're here and that you're doing this i feel like it's different and unique and fun and but you're very laid back and like easy to talk to um you know you you seem normal oh. <laughs> <laughs> like in a good way you know what i mean um i mean even like sarai is like this kind of very large personality and I'm like of course she's a freaking superstar she's just like you know I'm not cool enough to hang out with her right I mean you know (laughs) what I mean like she's so sweet obviously she'd hang out with anyone but like you just are so natural and easygoing and approachable and I just love that you're being a good leader for everybody so thank you for being you. you
1: That means a lot to me because, you know, we never see ourselves the way others do, but the way you just described me is like what I would hope someone would take from me. is so thank you. That really, that means a lot. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like I'm like, wait, did we just record a podcast? Cause I thought I was just like chatting with a girlfriend. (laughs) Um, I just, I just loved this conversation.
0: Oh, good. Well, I'm so happy to have you on here. I've really tried to make a habit of inviting people that I'm very honestly curious to talk to and get to know better. And so I think when you start from that place, it just feels very genuine and authentic and great. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, um, for anyone that is curious, I am going to include show notes uh, with your wait list that we'll have up. And oh, did you have any like freebies or anything that you can share with us or maybe like first steps people can take if they wanna dip their toes in the water?
1: Absolutely, I do have a freebie. It's called CEO Secrets Revealed and it just basically goes through my top three pillars of what I recommend, um, systems, leaderships, and financials um, for your business to get you on the right path.
0: Beautiful. Okay. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well. And then, um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, what is the best way to get in contact with you?
1: Yeah, I hang out on Instagram a lot. So that's Mm -hmm. a great place, um, over at scissors makes sense. Um, and they can also email as well.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and, uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch on Instagram.
1: Yes. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Isn't Kelly so great? Um, I told you. Told you, friend. And since we had this conversation, she went to the uh, retreat that Sarai put on in Orem, Utah. And I'm so bummed that I did not make that work for my schedule because friends... That looked like a really amazing trip. And Kelly had a great time speaking on stage and inspiring people. And um, anyway, I just I love hearing all of these great success stories and different ways that people are finding to Um, find their niche in the market, you know, whether it's just standing behind your chair or creating online education or traveling and speaking or coming up with some new technology or brush. Like There are just so many ways in our industry that you can kind of make your name you know? So anyway, I, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kelly. I know I sure did. And even when I went back and like re-listened to the conversation for this episode, I was like, yes, girl, this is good. So, um, it's always a pleasure for me to be here for you. I hope, I hope this is inspiring and that, uh, you come back for more my friends. So as I like to always say, have a wonderful hair day and I'll see you next time. Okay. Bye. Hey friend, Crystal here, and I've got something special for you that's too good to miss. Introducing the wildly popular Confident Conversations Bootcamp, where we unlock the three secret stylist skills that attract clients who pay. In just three classes, we'll transform how you communicate, connect, and turn every conversation in the salon into a formula for high-paying clients. It's not magic, it's mastery of words, presence, and the kind of confidence that turns heads. So why sign up? Because mastering these skills means more than just full books. It's about crafting a career that's as rewarding financially as it is creatively. We're talking quality clients who value your expertise and are happy to pay you for it. And the best part, it's completely free.